tonight, I am so excited. First of all, it's just good to be back. Um, I haven't been here for the past two weeks. I've been with Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny uh, as they've been here during their sabbatical, and it's been an awesome time spending time with them. But can I tell you a secret? I miss you guys. I missed you guys. It was, uh, we were chilling in Caribou today, and I was just like, yes. Like, it just, you know, like I felt like I was home with my tea and just everybody around me. And, you know, we weren't even talking about things that were that deep, but we were, <laughs> you know, Dexter was talking about his walking class. And if you don't know about that, ask him about that later. But um, just fellowshipping with you guys, it was just powerful. So good to be back at Yonse. Um, tonight, uh, we have such a treat for us. Um, and you know, we're, we have about five weeks left of large group. I know, I know. Just let that sink in for a moment. And the reason why I'm asking you to let that sink in is because the, what the devil wants to do is get you to squander your time. But what God wants you to do is to make every second count. And you guys being here tonight is making every second count. And I just feel like there's a shift that's going to happen in the remaining half of this, our semester. And we always plan it like this is the first couple of large groups, we make it about you. We talk about setting you free. We talk about the lies that you need to break off of you. We, need, we talk about, you know, the hurts and the pains that God can heal you from. But the latter half of the semester, we want to make it about how powerful you are. And now what you can give to other people. So I hope that you guys have received from Emmaus. But tonight, I hope you get empowered that when you walk out of this room, that you'll know, man, now I got something to give. Now I have authority to give and to do and to activate and to, and to act on something and, and to kick off this kind of shift in uh, our semester is such a powerful speaker. Uh, she's a core leader at New Philadelphia Church. She represents New Philly Itaewon. She brought with her a little posse, you know, over there. Hey, in the back. Okay, you know what? You know, raising the roof. And um, just uh, she's part of a, a heads up a ministry called Unearthed. And this is a ministry that fights human trafficking. And they fight human trafficking on an international global scale, but they also uh, put a lot of focus and heart in what's going on in Korea as a nation. Um, they're well aware. They pray on behalf of globally, but, you know, God has really opened their eyes to also have a heart specifically for Korea as a nation. And um, this is a fiery woman of God. Uh, last semester, we had her come out and preach as well, and um, it was awesome. It was just so powerful. And tonight I just know that she's going to bring it. Um, what's cool, cool backstory is Hugo, where are you at? Hugo raising his hand. Uh, last semester when, uh, Cassandra spoke, it was Hugo's first large group. And when he had found out that she was going to speak tonight, it was just kind of like a, like a memory lane of last semester when he walked in Emmaus for the first time where he was at, he was in a completely different place. He was not on fire for Lord. He was a little bit distant from God. He was struggling with a couple of different things. He was fighting a lot of different lies in his life. And, and he was in a, just a completely different place. Right. And to come back full circle here 
and to have her come and preach. And when you look at him now, you just know he's, he's just powerful. You know, you know, when he prays, like, you know, God's listening, you know, when, you know, that when he, um, you know, is reading scripture, you know, that when he's ministering to, to you guys, that like he's doing it with such authority. And it's just so incredible to see what God has done in such a short amount of time. And so I just wanted to give a shout out of a remember when, remember when Hugo first came to Emmaus, like, what am I doing here? And now look at him today. So on fire for God. And so we have just so much to be thankful for. Uh, but tonight, I, I really am so excited to introduce this speaker. Um, she is just awesome. And I know that I, I really want to encourage you guys, be awake, be alert, open up your hearts, and be ready to receive because you're going to give this stuff away. All right, so let's just give a warm applause, a warm amaze. Welcome to Cassandra Robertson. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, guys. <laughs> what? <laughs> so tall, right? Yeah. But this is way better. The last time I was here, we were in this gigantic room on this gigantic stage, and oh, it was really awkward. <laughs> um, man, I just want to say, you guys are, you guys really know how to usher in the spirit. You really do. You really do. So it's just really, um, you know, uh, a long time ago, I used to manifest the spirit by crying. And then there was a season when I would manifest the spirit by just laughing out loud, really loud, really obnoxious in the middle of times that I shouldn't be laughing. And I just laughed, right? But then it was like, I don't know, changed again, and it's crying again. And I was just sitting there during worship, just crying. You guys really know how to usher in the spirit, and God's presence is really here tonight. So I'm really excited for what um, is about to happen. Um, so yeah, like Pastor Aaron said, my name's Cassandra, and uh, I am the director of Unearthed. And uh, we are a ministry that desires to see the ending of human trafficking here in Korea and across the nations. And we really desire transformation for everyone who is involved, has been involved in the, the um, sex industry. When I say sex industry, I mean trafficking, I mean prostitution, I mean all of it. Um, so um, let me tell you a little bit about Unearthed. Um, we started in 2008, it was the very end of 2008. Um, a friend of mine actually uh, began to see in Korea what was happening. She kind of began to see around her neighborhood that there were some bars that looked a little shady, and there were some, uh, you know, karaoke rooms that just nothing was really quite right. So she began to really uh, pray about it, and God really stirred her heart to, to look deeper, to look beyond what was really there. And she started to see what was happening. And so um, over that year, God really put it on her heart to pray, to start a ministry to pray. And then um, at the very end of 2009, she kind of got some friends together. They decided to start looking around at different red light districts in Korea to begin to pray about them and to pray in them. And then at the beginning of 2010, um, that's when she had asked me to pray for her. And then um, I'll tell you about it a little bit later, but it's kind of when I joined. Uh, we started doing some prayer walks. And um, yeah, so I've been with since the beginning of 2010. And um, 
Also here tonight we have four of our um, kind of core members of Unearthed. Um, they've been with since, what, June? June 2011? Yeah, so um, you guys are going to hear from them later tonight also. You'll probably, I don't know, we, go, we all go to Itaewon, so <laughs> like Unearthed is, yeah. So uh, you guys might not see them, but you'll see them tonight. Uh, you'll hear from them. But we have Mark, Mark Ratto. He, um, he was the first one to join with, and yeah, he is so awesome. And I'll tell you what, that guy is so lovable, likable, and uh, when we go out, he just brings us favor. When we go out and do our prayer walks, we do our things, he just brings favor. I don't, it's the mustache. It totally is. It's totally the mustache. I'm not kidding you. Korean ajushis will like, they love his mustache. Um, and his beautiful wife, Elizabeth Rado, she's here also. She, that girl is a prophetic backbone of unearthed. She is so solid. She is so on point. And uh, yeah, it's just such a privilege that she's with. Um, we also have Gina. Gina is here too. Gina is so bold. I'll tell you what, she is the one who does our translating for us. She's so bold. You know, I can't speak Korean. Mark can't speak Korean. Um, Elizabeth can't really speak Korean that well. But Gina, she's the one. She, man, without her, we could not do anything. We would be all sign language. But she's so bold. So as I go tell you guys stories tonight, um, yeah, just picture them in your head as we, we go on with these stories. But um, yeah, so <clears throat> the mission of Unearthed is that we want to see darkness broken with hope. And we bring joy, peace, righteousness, love to the sex industry here in Korea. And that's really what we want to do. So um, I want to tell you guys tonight about um, what's going on in Korea a little bit. And then, like Pastor Aaron said, this is a night of activation for you. Because this is not about me or unearthed going out and doing what we do. But this is about us activating you to join us to do it, right? We are four people. We can't do everything. We can't do enough, right? We need you guys to join us with. So tonight is about activating you. Um, and I'll tell you, one of the things that I love the most about Emmaus is that you guys are so easy. You're so easy. And what, that, what I mean by that is... I feel like you guys have this little button, right? You have a button. All, all anybody has to do is press the button, and then you guys just go. That's it. So it's like, if it's, let's say the button is healing. All right, let me tell you about healing. Press the button, and then you guys go out and you're healing crazy. I've been hearing all these stories about healing from Emmaus. Like, what the heck? All it, all it took was just somebody pressing a little button, right? And salvations. You talk about salvation, you press a little button, and then all of a sudden, over Skype, over phone calls, over just prayer, and then waking your mom up in a dream at night, I don't know, people get saved, right? So what I want to do tonight is press your prayer button, and then I'm going to watch, and I'm going to see what happens and what comes from you guys. So that's what's going to happen tonight. Yeah. Um, so last semester, when I came here, I, um, I spoke a message called, Don't Join the Social Justice Movement. And it seems a little bit 
And you're like, what the heck does that mean? Don't join it. I encourage you guys to listen. Um, I think it'll really rock your view, your concept of what social justice is, what it means, and um, what we're called to do. So go listen to that if you haven't yet. It's uh, on the website. Um, and I'm going to tell you about kind of what's happening here in Korea. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we focus, I mean, when, when you talk about justice, there, um, do I have a time, timer anywhere? What time am I supposed to be done? I don't know. Okay. Wait, what? Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> when it comes to this stuff, I could talk for a really long time, so I need, I need a set. Um, um, so when you, when you say justice, there's a lot of different things that that could encompass, right? There's North Korea, there's orphans, there's uh, abuse, there's sex trafficking, there's human trafficking, there is um, any plethora of a number of things, right? But on Earth, we really focus primarily on the sex industry here in Korea, but also in the nations. Um, so mainly tonight, what I'm going to talk to you about is the, the sex industry. So um, first of all, one of the things we, we um, focus on is prostitution and sex trafficking. Um, so I want to define for you what they are, and then I want to tell you, yeah, anyway. Okay, sex trafficking um, from the definition is the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring, or receipt of persons for the purpose of exploitation, right? So it's anything like that. I mean, the definition actually was way longer than that, but it was like really wordy, really complicated. So I just made it um, more easy to understand. But um, the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring, or receipt of persons for the purpose of exploitation. And that's the definition of sex trafficking, uh, human trafficking. Um, and the, the definition of prostitution is it's usually defined as the act or practice of providing sexual services to another person in return for payment. Now, most people view prostitution as something that's a choice, that people choose it, that I'm giving you something and you're giving me money. It's just simply a service. It's like any other business. It's something I want to do. I want money, so I will give you this. And that's what a lot of people view it. And you can even hear that in the definition, right? That it's just a sexual service for money. And that and sex trafficking is exploitation. However, at Unearthed, we believe that everyone that is involved, <clears throat> excuse me, in prostitution, they're not there of their own choice. And so therefore, it is trafficking, right? Um, whether they are forced physically to be a prostitute, like people who are uh, trafficked are forced into prostitution. So whether they are physically forced into prostitution or they are circumstantially forced into prostitution, we believe that it is all exploitation. It's exploitation of a person's body. It's exploitation of their vulnerability. It's exploitation of their circumstance. And so when I say prostitution, as we talk about it tonight, when I say sex industry, when I say sex trafficking, I want you guys to fully understand that what I mean is that all of it is connected and that it's all exploitation. Okay? Yeah. Um, so actually in Korea, there are a lot of um, 
prostitution is really kind of normalized in the society because it really is viewed as something that people just choose to do. And that is because a lot of people end up getting into prostitution because of debt. So um, there was, um, back in the 90s, I think, they, I don't know, opened up all this stuff for loans that people could really easily get loans if they were in debt. And these loan sharks would put this huge interest rate on it, and then they could never pay the loan back. And so their help to get out of their situation was then to work it off. Oh, you can work in this restaurant, we can send you to this place, and then it ended up being just exploiting their vulnerability in that situation and moving them into um, ending up being in a brothel. So and that's the situation that a lot of women have found themselves in. Um, is through debt, and they just can't pay it back. And um, sadly, you know, we've heard stories from people directly who have been in the sex industry, and they, once you're in, you know, you say, well, well you know, you could make a lot of money, right? You're getting paid all this, da 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 But when they're in, they are so caught up in debt that everything is charged. Their debt actually becomes higher as time goes on and not lower despite working every day, every day, every day, right? So a lot of women in Korea who work in the sex industry, uh, who work in these uh, red light districts, if they miss a day, they have to pay like, I don't know, $2,000 or something if they miss a day of work. If they are late 10 minutes, they have to pay like $100. Um, they have to buy their own toilet paper, which, you know, you go to the store and how much is one of those things? Oh, you can get like pff, 100 rolls, right? Oh, I hate the way Korea does toilet paper. <laughs> but you can buy toilet paper, I don't know, whatever it is, Monon, let's say it's $10. They buy toilet paper and they have to buy it from their place in there and it's $100, right? They have to buy their own toothpaste and it's $20. Okay, so these things, and when the customers come in, they are provided with food, alcohol, snacks, and that has to be purchased by the girl on top of renting her room. So she's forced in this situation to be in this room to provide this, to do this, to that, but she has to pay for all of it. Not only, she also has to um, get her hair and her makeup done every day. She has to pay to have it done. She has to pay for a woman to clean her laundry. She has to pay for a woman to clean her room. So you can see how this debt builds up over time and they actually can never pay it off, right? This is exploitation. So prostitution is not a choice, okay? Um, <clears throat> let me just tell you a couple, a couple numbers. Um, in 2008, which, I, I'm sorry, 2004, which was eight years ago, right? So you can imagine how much it has increased since then. Uh, 2004, numbers showed that um, businesses in the sex industry earned $240 million in one year. $240 million. Um, in 2007, it, um, stats showed that there were more than 1.2 million women in Korea working in the sex industry, which is 20% of women between the age of 15 and 29. It's 20%. That's a lot. And the sad thing is, is that's the women our age, right? I mean, I'm almost out of that age range now, but <laughs> <laughs> that is women our age, 20%. Um... Also, I shared this last time. I think I shared a lot of these stats last time, but the most staggering thing I think I've ever heard is um, that it said that in Korea, sex 
was purchased 94 million times in a year, which meant, they, they broke it down in different terms, which is saying that every man in Korea between the age of 20 and 64 purchases sex at least six times a year. It's a cultural norm, right? So we're dealing with an issue that's not just some people that maybe are kind of like, you know, we think of people who go to a red light district as, okay, maybe they have a sex problem, they have an addiction, they have this, they're perverted, whatever, right? This is a cultural norm. If every man between the age of 20 and 64 is purchasing sex six times a year. So this is a huge issue, right? This is a problem that we're really dealing with here in Korea. Um, let me tell you about a couple of different types of um, prostitution that, that you'll find. I want to I wanna make it aware for you guys so that when you go out, you'll see it. Because that's actually how On Earth started was that we had no idea. And then we started seeing these things like, what is this? What is this? What is this? Um, first, let me just say that prostitution in Korea is illegal. It's not legal. It's illegal. And it's been that way since 1948. Okay. <laughs> So all of these stats, yeah. Anyway, um, oh, I'm sorry. One other stat that I was going to tell you is that in 2006, the U.S. Attorney General, um, they, South Koreans accounted for the highest population of women that were trafficked to the United States. 24% of the women that were trafficked to the United States were from South Korea. So it's not just a problem here, but it's a problem with us abroad, with Koreans abroad. Um, and so prostitution here in Korea looks like a red light district. I don't know if you guys have ever seen one, but it's a long street, a lot of open windows, girls sitting in a window. So we think of Amsterdam, we think of Germany or whatever. Um, that's a red light district. There's also room salons. Did this turn off? Hello? Okay. <laughs> um, a room salon is where a lot of business transactions are done, right? Um, companies will go, they'll have meetings in these rooms. Um, this is, I think, typically what you see in some like types of Asian movies where a lot of men get together, they're around a table, there's a lot of alcohol and snacks, and then, um, and then women are around. Just kind of, you know, in the movies, they're all like... <laughs> 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 Like, as the men are talking, they're just touching them. Uh, I don't really know. I've never been in one, but that's, <laughs> that's, what, that's how they go. <laughs> that's a room salon. They, they do business there. Um, also, the men can then buy women, and they can um, buy services there. Um, a friend of mine, she did uh, taught business English to businessmen. Yeah, English to businessmen. And they talked about this openly in their classes that, um, you know, kind of the culture and things like that. And they all openly admitted that they had gone to these, that they had gone to these together, that they would sit together, receive services together in these rooms. Yeah, these are stories I've heard. Um, there's karaoke bars, right? You guys all know norebang. Well, there's some norebang that are not just for singing. You can buy someone to sing with you. You can buy someone after you sing with them. Um, there's also what they call juicy bars, and a lot of these are near the military bases, and the girls serve drinks to guys. They, um, 
you know, part of the way that they make money, money then is that the guys have to buy them really expensive drinks. And so they just keep getting that. And then they can, uh, they dance for them. They buy them afterwards. Um, massage parlors. A lot of the massage parlors are not, you know, I mean, I don't really know. But in my head, I'm thinking, why does a massage parlor need to be open 24 hours a day? I don't get it. Why does anyone need a massage at 3 in the morning, right? So just think about it. Um, <laughs> nightclubs, right? Some nightclubs you can buy um, women or men. They have kissbang. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but you can pay money to go and make out with someone and other things. Um, now, these are, they have things like this because because prostitution is illegal, because buying sex is illegal, a lot of people don't want to do it, but they still want to do it, right? So if they have these kissabang where you don't actually have sex, but you have sexual services, it's technically not illegal because it's not sex, right? So they have all of these ways of kind of getting around the system, okay? So they have these kissabangs, things like that. They have phone rooms where you can go, you can call, and you can have phone sex. They have PC bongs for porn or internet sex. You can go, rent a computer, do everything online. They have stimulation rooms. You can pay for stimulation. They have coffee and tea delivery. You can call, I want some coffee. It's delivered by a girl. She gives you service. You pay for your tea, and that's all. They have um, <coughs> office towels, which... Um, usually on the little cards that you guys, if you've ever seen the cards on the street, that's what this is for. It's a, they rent a room, you call the number, you go to the room, you do your thing, and then you go. So they just rent these small little apartments. Um, they have, you know, any type of whiskey, suji type of place. They also have city tour sex buses. You can get in a van. You can take a tour of Seoul on your vacation while you receive sexual services, right? <laughs> they also have compensation dating, which is where young girls will date older men uh, and in, uh, what's that word? In exchange, in exchange, they get um, things, not necessarily money. They get phones, they get their hair done, they get clothes, they get things like that. So this is all the kind of stuff that's happening in Korea. Um, and it's happening everywhere. It's not just here. All right? It's not just a problem with Korea. It's happening everywhere. But you can see how these things are so, um, we don't even know about half of them, right? But that's what's going on. Um, they can be found here in Gangnam, Itaewon, Yongsan, here, right here in Shincheon. They are in Giram, Yongdengpo, Times Square Mall, Yoido, Jamshil. Anywhere that you go in Seoul, you can find it. Um, a lot of them are near uh, large shopping centers. They are near um, bus or train stations, things like that. So when you go to those areas, I, I challenge you to think about it and pray about it when you're there. Um, so the problem is that Prostitution, like I said, it's very normalized here in society, right? People do it together. People do it on Sunday. They do it on Monday. They do it on Wednesday. They do it in the afternoon. They do it in the morning. They do it at 3 in the morning, 3 in whatever, you know? 
it's very normalized. So um, another thing that feeds into this is pornography. And I, what I'm about to tell you shocked me when I read it. I was shocked. Um, in 2006, Korea was second in the world for the highest porn revenue, only behind China. Now, usually we think that you, the United States, Europe, they're really liberal, they're really open, and so their porn would be way higher, right? So in Korea, it was $25.7 billion. Um, to put it into perspective, the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Italy, Germany, Australia, and Russia all combined were $5 million less than South Korea. Now, people will separate pornography and say that it has nothing to do, right? Pornography is what feeds prostitution. Pornography feeds it. The, a lot of people think that if you are just watching pornography, actually it could help you from going and acting out this urge. But what it does is it feeds an urge that you then want to act out in prostitution. Also, let me just kind of shift your mind for a way of thinking, right? If we defined prostitution as paying money for a sexual service, right? When you buy pornography, you are paying money to watch a sexual service. It is by definition prostitution. Though you are not the one who's receiving it, you are watching it. It is by definition prostitution. Um, so this is the background. This is the background context for why unearthed exists. This is why we do what we do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sharing this all with you guys tonight and, and you're hearing it and some of you, um, it's going to stir something in you to want to take action right now to pray to want to to want to go out to want to bust down some brothel doors that was randy last semester he was like i just want to go and break down the doors <laughs> like, calm down randy wait a minute um some of you are going to want to be you're going to be started to take action right some of you in hearing this you may even feel like you're overwhelmed like this, I don't know what to do with this information. This is too much, right? The one statistic you shared first was enough, but why did you keep going, right? It's too much. You may feel overwhelmed, right? And some of you, you may forget it in 20 minutes, okay? But the reason I share all this with you is because this is on the Lord's heart. Every single person that is a statistic that I've just shared with you is a soul. It is God's child. It is God's son. It is a person who is so broken and hurting. And I'm not just talking about the females that are in the brothel being prostitutes. I'm talking about the men who are addicted to pornography. They are God's children who are in bondage, right? I'm talking about the pimps who are making all this happen. They are in bondage. 
They are in bondage. Women are in bondage. And so I share this with you guys to press your intercession button. I want to press your button, okay? Um, and if you are feeling a burden, whether it's a good burden to do something or it's a heavy burden, let me say to you that it's not your burden. This is something that the Lord is showing you. He's telling you about right now tonight to stir you, but it's not your burden to carry. And so what do we do with this burden? What do we do when we have this inside? What do we do when we feel this, right? Like the first time that I heard this, first time that I walked out in a red light district and I saw these things, I couldn't talk for an entire day. I, co- I, I couldn't. And then the first thing I did, I just bawled for like an hour. That was all I could do. It was so heavy. But I didn't realize that the burden wasn't my own. I thought it was my own. I took it upon myself, right? And so what I want to share with you tonight is about intercession and why we pray and why we do this. It's because this burden is his. He's sharing it with us. He's inviting us into this to take part with him in something that's so much bigger. All right? So um, I mentioned before that that, um, unearthed first... And most important role is that we pray. And um, in light of all these statistics, a lot of people kind of look down on that or they question that and say, you're sitting in your room and you're praying. Why are you not out there saving these 1.2 million girls that are in the sex industry? Why are you not out there stopping pornography from happening? Why are you not out doing something, right? And... um, Actually, there, <laughs> there was, um, on our Facebook page, there was a post that was written one time that actually said that. And she said, um, I, I, I don't know who she was, but what she wrote was, wait, so, in all caps, all you do is pray? That's all? And I will be honest, my flesh <laughs> rose up, and I was like, You have no idea. <laughs> but I, di- I didn't say anything like that. I didn't write anything like that. I was very kind. I, I pressed the flesh back down. Um, actually, her comment, I'm very thankful for. Because what it did was solidified in me, and it solidified in the unearthed team that, yeah, we do pray. We do. And we see things happen far beyond what we could if we just went out. And we didn't pray. And we just went out and took action. So it was it was confirmation. So thank you to whoever that woman was who wrote that on the Facebook page. Um, yeah, I want to share with you guys a quote um, that I read from A.J. Gordon. He was a preacher in the 1800s. He was the, the founder of Gordon-Conwell Seminary. Um, he said, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. So good, right? So good. That's why we pray. That is why we do what we do, right? I'm going to say it again. (laughs) You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. It's so good. So good. So, um... I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons why we pray at Unearthed. And I'm going to tell you some stories. Number one, we pray because God has told us to. 
That's it. We listen to the word of the Lord. And the Lord says, pray. And he specifically says, pray for the land that you are in. And he says that not just as a command. Uh, how many of you guys know that when God gives a command, he also gives a blessing attached to that command, right? We get blessed when we obey. And so um, Jeremiah 29, not 11. I know you guys all know that one. I have plans to prosper you. Thanks. This is a little before that. Jeremiah 29, 7. It says this, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. I mean, it can't be any more clear than that, right? God was talking to the Jews at that time, and they had been exiled to a land that they did not want to go to. It was not their home. It was not their, their people. It was not where they wanted to be. But yet God commanded them to pray for that nation, saying, in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And that's for so many of us in here. Whether or not you are Korean by descent, whether or not you are a native Korean, whether or not you have 0% Korean in your ancestry at all, you are called to pray for this nation while you are here. And in its welfare, you will find your welfare. You will be immensely blessed to pray for this nation. Mark my words, okay? You can test God on that. You can test him. Um, another verse, Isaiah 58.8. Um, this is right after God is saying, is this not the fast I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, um, to undo the straps of the yoke? So he's talking about oppression and being un unloosing it unlocking the chains all that stuff and then he says then your light then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily so god promises that he will heal you your physical body he will heal you when you pray for the land when you pray for justice when you pray against injustice he will physically heal your body now i myself have experienced this that uh, when i first came to korea i was the second year into a three-year terrible 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 deep pit rut box terrible time i was in it i was in it for three years when i first came to korea i was uh it was two years in um the one year anniversary of the day that i came to korea i went to my first joint prayer meeting and um i had never gone to one before didn't care i went there because people were going to dose tacos first, and I really wanted some tacos. <laughs> I'm serious. I wanted tacos. So I went and I ate tacos, and I went to joint prayer meeting. And then um, John Michael from New Philly, actually, he was leading prayer for North Korea. I didn't care about North Korea. I didn't want to pray for North Korea. And um, while I was sitting there, I just, eh, okay. I pray for North Korea, and I... And... <laughs> I'm serious. That's how I prayed. I'm not kidding you. And what happened was I, in my own mind, in my own conscience, I had no idea what was happening. But my physical body was bawling for about three hours straight. I cried. No one prayed for me. No one touched me. No one asked me for prayer. I didn't ask anyone for prayer. Nothing. But that day, like, physical healing happened to my body, and that rut was over. Three years. That, actual, that actually took very expensive Christian counseling it didn't work 
And that night when I prayed for North Korea, it was all broken off. Right? Yeah. Man, all that money I paid for that stupid counseling. The Lord is so good and so faithful. Amen? All right. The next reason, um, this is one of the most important um, that we pray is because what we are fighting against is not flesh and blood. We are not fighting against people. We are not fighting against the government. We are not fighting against pimps. We are not fighting against any structure or system or person. We are fighting against the devil. So I know you guys uh, have probably heard this passage before, but let me just read it to you. Ephesians 6, 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are not fighting against something that we can see in the physical. It's all spiritual. And because of that, if we take action of our own self, if we go out and we, you know, do things and take action, we're fighting nothing, right? If I go out and I try to fight against the pimp, I'm not doing anything. I'm cutting the leaves off of a tree. I cut the leaf off of a tree and that leaf is going to grow back. Prostitution is a leaf on a tree. Pornography is a leaf on a tree. Sex trafficking is a leaf on a tree. We need to fight the roots and take the entire tree out, right? That's what we need to do. And that's why you pray because fighting something in the physical is never going to get down to those roots, ever. We pray that cuts the roots out. Because it is a spirit behind all of this stuff. It is a spirit of lust. It is a spirit of lies. It is a spirit of deception. It is the spirit straight from Satan that's orchestrating all of this that we need to cut out at the root level. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. I'm going to read it for you also. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds, to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. That is what we do. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. When we pray, it is not a prayer that twinkles to music and gives angels wings and makes us feel good. When we pray, we cut down demonic strongholds. When you pray, students of Emmaus, you cut down demonic strongholds. Your one-word prayer, your two-second prayer, your five-minute prayer that you're distracted, you cut down strongholds. Even if you're distracted, even if you have this much faith, Yo, seriously, sex trafficking is really huge. I don't really know if my prayer is going to do anything. But the fact that you pray it anyways shows that you have a mustard, side, a mustard seed-sized faith to pray against it, and that's going to move it. It's going to cut down those roots. We walk in the flesh, but we do not war according to the flesh. That is why... 
the first and foremost thing and most important thing that we do on earth, at unearthed is pray. That is why we do not pray or we do not do anything until we have prayed. We do go out. We do do things. I'm not saying that we don't, right? We, we do many things. Um, but first and foremost, we pray. Um, and I want to tell you guys a story of why I know that this is absolutely 100% true in my life and in the ministry of Unearthed is that the very first day that we went out on our official walk, um, it was a Sunday morning. It was about 10.30 a.m. We were walking through the red light district, and it, it was my first time. It was nuts. It was, like, so frantic. I didn't want to be there, although I wanted to be there. But um, we were walking through, and as we were coming to the end of the red light district street, we saw four boys. They were about college-aged, four guys. Um, they were walking to each different room, and they were talking to all of the girls, trying to negotiate the best price. So they're there, 10.30 on a Sunday morning, negotiating for prices for sexual services. And um, they had very distinct personalities. You could just see. You didn't know who they were, but you could see um, kind of how they were in their ranking as friends, right? <clears throat> and the one that was obviously the probably youngest and weakest of the bunch, right, he was the one that they were all pushing him, right? So these three other guys pushed him. They ended up finding a room. They pushed him in. And we sat there, and we waited, and we prayed the entire time. And I will tell you what, I was undone. I was sitting in the middle of the red light district, bawling my eyes out. And the three other friends sat there. He was in there for about 20 minutes. The guy sat there talking, smoking cigarettes, just chilling out. And he comes out of the room. They give him a cigarette. They all walk away. And that was it. And I was so broken after I saw that, right? And I was like, what the heck? And I wanted to just, what are you doing? Like, I wanted to, like, run up to them and just shake them. What are you doing? And the, the older guys, I wanted to, like, punch them straight in the face. Like, what the heck? You're ruining this guy's life, right? Now, three days later, I had a dream. And in the dream, it was the exact same scenario. It was the exact same street. It was all of us, same people on the team. Everything was the same, except there were five boys. I was so confused. I was like, what the heck? Did we not see one? Was one of them, like, stuck in a room somewhere? Like, what the heck? But as I'm in this dream looking at it, the fifth boy throws his head back in demonic laughter, and then he shoots his head forward, looks me straight in the eye, and he hisses, and his tongue comes out like a snake. That's what I knew. We are not fighting against something that's flesh. This is all demonic. Those boys were not there of their own sexual urge. They were not there because they needed something fun to do. They were there under a demonic power. We have to pray. We have to pray. Um, another reason, as if that's not enough, right? Another reason why we pray is um, because... It keeps us grounded in the Lord's heart and on our own. It keeps us grounded, right? Like I said to you, my reaction to these guys was that I wanted to punch them and shake them <laughs> and yell at them. And, like, you know, when I first started this ministry, um, 
I had a very skewed kind of view of what I thought. The girls were the victims, the guys were the bad guys, right? The girls in the room were sad and poor and helpless, and, and the customers were disgusting old pervert men, right? That's what, I'm just being honest, that's what I thought. A lot of people think that. And um, the reason we pray is to get God's heart. That mentality that I had was not God's heart. That was not truth. But me working in prayer, me praying and going to God, he, oh man, he shifted that. I'll tell you what. He shifted that. He completely changed my entire life when I began to pray about this stuff and shifted my entire perspective. Um, yeah. If, if we focus on the action or we focus on what we can do, then we lose sight of God in his heart. We lose sight of God's power. We lose sight of what God wants to do. We lose sight of his vision. We lose sight of his children. If we're focusing on doing something and not praying. Um, and what I've seen happen from that is um, people have a very, people who've you know, worked in, in the sex industry for a long time or trying to get rid of this or... Um, working to end injustice, there's so much depression, so depressed. Because what they're doing is they're seeing success based on something in the physical, right? If this girl comes out of the red light district, there is success. If she is saved out, that is a success. But statistics show that more than likely she's going to go back. So what does that mean? That wasn't a success? What does it mean, right? What are we, if we look only to the physical, we only get physical answers, right? We need to work in the spiritual. And so praying keeps us connected to his heart for it. And it keeps us from falling into depression. Because like they were praying earlier, like Pastor Aaron was leading, we got that truth belt, right? We stay connected to God's heart in prayer. We've got that truth belt. We stay connected. Um. Oh, man, there's so many stories I wanted to tell you guys, and I talked too long. Um, another reason why we pray is because it's really fun. And I'm serious. No, really. I mean, people think, right, like, we've all thought this at one point or another. Praying is boring. <laughs> Dear God, I pray for the people that's what we think. That's false. We also think that prayer is hard. I don't know how. I don't know what to do. It's too hard for me. No, it's not because you know how to talk. <laughs> right? I'm breaking lies off of some of you right now. You know how to talk. You know how to pray. You know how to talk to your friend. You sure as heck know how to talk to your father in heaven. I'm telling you, it's not hard. I want you guys to repeat after me. Prayer is fun. Prayer is not hard. I break the lie that prayer is boring. Amen. Yeah. Um, when you pray and you leave it up to God to do something, you see far more happen than if you do it on your own. Right? If you do something on your own, you work up the steps, you, you do something... And then you, um, you see something manifest. It's super awesome. And you rejoice. And it's really great. 
But when you do nothing and you pray and you ask God to do it and then he does it, it's like way crazier, awesomer, okay? So I'm going to tell you one story that um, we had this connection with um, a very high-level guy in one of the red light districts here in Seoul. We had been in communication with him in the past. We had met up with him. We had talked with him. And we were trying to get connected with him again. And so we were calling him, and his number just kept, I don't know, it was busy or whatever it was, right? So we couldn't get it. And so we were like, what the heck? So God, we really want to talk to this guy, but we don't have his number anymore. It's not working. So um, we thought about doing different things and this and this and this, but it just didn't feel right. So we just, we're not doing it, right? So we ended up just praying. We're, we're praying about this. God, if you want us to meet him, okay, we'll meet him. If you want us to talk to him, we'll talk to him fine. If not, it doesn't matter. We, we don't care that much about that, right? You've got a plan. And so we went to go do a prayer walk like normal, having no intention of going to meet this guy, having no connection to him whatsoever at that time. And as we, we had done our prayer meeting, we were walking from our meeting place to the red light district, and I wanted chocolate. Bad. <laughs> so we stopped and got some chocolate because I am the leader of on earth and I said we want chocolate. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So we stopped and got some chocolate. We're walking back we're, and we're walking to the red light district eating chocolate. And then this little teeny Korean man, he walks right past us. And I'm walking, and I don't even know, because I'm eating my Twix. And Mark is behind me. He's like, what the? What? Well, it was him. It was the guy. It was the, like, head guy, right? He's right there. He walked right past us. We're like, what the heck? Head pimps don't go walk on the street like that, right? So bold as a lion, Gina, translator. He's like, oh, uh, hi. He totally recognized her. He recognized us. And she's like, we've been trying to call you. And he said, oh, yeah, sorry. Um, I got a new phone number. And she said, why didn't you tell us? <laughs> As if we're super good friends that he would tell us. And he was like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. And um, he's like, hold on a minute. He picks up a phone call, and he says, Sorry, we're going to have to change the meeting. Push it back 30 minutes. I got some friends from America. They're coming, and I need to meet with them. He changed the meeting to meet with him. He brought us to his place. I don't know. He probably gave us some tangerines that night, too. He gives us food all the time. So we go. We meet, and we're like, <laughs> that never would have happened if we had planned that. Ever. We could have never been like, all right, go get chocolate. At this time, you wait. You open your chocolate. You walk. Don't walk too fast because you'll miss him. You know, it's so much more fun, right? Not only is, is prayer something God invites us into, prayer something we need to do to shift the spiritual atmosphere, but it's something that we get a blessing from. We get a blessing from praying. We get a physical blessing of healing. We get a blessing because we pray for the land, and we just get fun, all right? Yeah. Um, I'm out of time. It's really sad. So, um, one of the things, every time I think about Emmaus, every time I pray for Emmaus, and, uh, you know, I, I lead prayer sometimes at New Philly, and uh, a lot of times I lead prayer for Emmaus. 
I really love you guys. And um, every time in my spirit, it's so clear that you guys are a forerunner ministry. Now, what that means is you go first. It might be hard because you have to clear the path, but you're clearing a path. Behind you, thousands are going to flood in the same direction. That's what you're doing. You are plowing a path. You are a forerunner ministry. Each and every one of you. You as a ministry, but you individually are a forerunner because what you're doing is you're getting something here in Korea. You're going back to your home. You're plowing that path, and everyone that you know back at home is going to follow that path. And that's why I love Emmaus. I love coming here, and I love pushing your button tonight because I know what's going to come from this. I know that you're going to go, and you're going to plow a path. You're going to bring everybody with you, right? And so I want to tell you that when we pray, we change history, right? We literally change history. We have, since Anartha started, since we've been praying, we have seen brothels shut down. We've seen red light districts completely shut down. We have seen um, pimps get arrested. We've seen people get arrested for passing out cards. We've seen people get rescued out of a brothel. We've seen um, churches awaken to what's going on and churches, entire churches start praying. We've seen this stuff happen since we've been praying. We literally have the power to change history. You literally right now have the power to change history. That's what is happening. When you pray, you are changing history. You guys, your prayers are so powerful. You know, like I told you before, you, I mean, I heard stories of you guys being in some random room and you touched a girl and her legs grew out. Like, I'm not kidding. That was you? That was awesome. That is awesome. I, I, do you realize how powerful that is? You, you, you changed a physical body. You changed a physical body. That's like, according to doctors, like anatomically impossible. You did it. By saying a word. You did that. So when you say a word for this, you will shut down a red light district. You will shut down a brothel. You will save a girl out of prostitution. You will save a man from being forever stuck in pornography. That's the power you have. You have to remember. Remember what you've done. Remember what your prayers can do. All right, so right now I want us, what we're going to do is pray. I just pressed your button. Now you're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for some different um, topics. The Unearth team is going to come up here and lead us in a, in a couple different topics that we're going to pray for because tonight the Spirit is in this room. Amen? Amen? During the worship, God came and inhabited the praise of you guys, our praise. He came and inhabited our praise in this place. He's sitting here waiting, and now we're going to release the power that is in this room.